I am Reverend Deborah Phillips, and welcome to Discovering Spirit Within, a spiritual life center podcast dedicated to helping people discover and activate their personal relationship with the divine. Well, good afternoon or morning or evening, depending on where you are and when you're listening. I'm here with my friend, Carol Knight. And Carol Knight is a yoga teacher. She's a certified yoga teacher. And she was living in California for a very long time and recently moved back to South Carolina from whence she originally came. And Carol, I uh, called you up and I said, could we sit down and have a talk about yoga? And you said, sure, but I'd really rather talk about something else. Do you remember what that was? Oh, I remember what that was because I've been pestering you to talk about it for many, many years now. So uh, as you know, I don't need to tell you that we've had countless discussions for the last 15 years or so, I think it's fair to say, about this notion that our thoughts have the power to create a reality, create a new reality, change an existing reality. And as you know, I've always had a certain resistance to that, but I keep bumping into this teaching every time I turn around. So I've done a fair amount of reading and thinking and calling you up for long phone calls, (laughs) long endless phone calls, trying to understand it because to be blunt, uh, it just all seems a little too simple to me. You know, I got raised up by a really strict dad who said, here's life. You work, you work, you work, you work yourself half to death. You never really get what you want. So just get used to it. So for this teaching to come about that says, if you can think it, you can be it. Uh, you know, I hear my dad going, well, that's a whole lot of nonsense. So uh I have so many questions. We could have podcasts from now until the end of time about my questions on this subject. But the one that I really wonder about for me, and I can't be the only crazy person in the world who experiences this, is why it is so much easier to visualize and feel and have an experience of something catastrophic, or at least bad, as opposed uh, to something amazing and wonderful. And one of the things that I've been so struck by, Deborah, uh, and, and more so recently, as I've talked to you about discovering some newer teachers to me, like Florence Scoville Shin and Neville Goddard, and these people that I've never listened to, is how much they all go on and on and on, much like I am right now, uh, about you have to feel. It's not about sitting around and going, I am this, I am that, I am the other thing, I blah, 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 blah. There needs needs to be uh, some feeling. And so that really threw me. That was like five years of going, what? And... I shared this with you, and I won't share it in the excruciating detail that I shared it with you, but I will share a perfect example of what happens to me when I want to creatively visualize. So I have all these dogs, and I go out every morning in groups of two and three to walk them. And it's a time that is 
as close as I come to meditative, to where I'm uh, just a little bit more fully in a moment and can kind of feel what's going on. So I'm out walking my dogs the other day and from a short distance away, I hear a dog barking and with, I don't know, I would give just anything in the world to have had a cosmic stopwatch in front of me so I could see how quickly this happened. I went from hearing a dog bark, a pretty normal occurrence, to spinning out a whole horrible story about this dog and uh, I find the dog and the dog's in awful shape because I have a history in dog rescue. So my brain tends to go there. And before I knew it, Deborah, not only had I gone from zero to 200, where I have this little animal who's in need of so much and I'm rushing to get him home and I've got to hurry because he, he's sick and he might not make it. And when I finally snapped back into the present moment, I was, I had been so incredibly engrossed in an imagination, in an imagining that I was sweating, my heart was pounding, my breath was coming short, I was every bit as distressed and in the same internal state of mind without, with just the imagining that I would have been in had this event actually occurred. So I bore you with that story. And this is just one of a thousand ridiculous examples of, of how I do this. But I, I talk about it because even though I'm being a light, it is important to me because I feel like it's a stumbling block for me in certain areas as I work with this teaching. Why? Did I not even have to try to do what Florence and Neville say, which is just, <laughs> just feel, just feel, <laughs> you know, and it's all unfold. Oh, I get so angry. I just want to go, what? Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> why can't I do that when it comes time for me to uh, imagine publishing my book or you know, I have two or three big dreams. Why are these catastrophic dreams right there, ready to go, ready to do everything that I want the pleasant dreams to do? Okay, so you've given us about six months worth of podcasts here, <laughs> weekly ones. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways to go with this. And so um, honestly, I do think that you should become a regular. And because we can, we, can, we, can, we can tackle these things. Um, the Wow. Okay, the first thing, well, there were there were several things that were in my head because I kind of knew what we were going to talk about. But you just said something that, um, you know how I get to just come back and go see this and you go, yeah, darn it. Um, well, it's not usually darn it, but anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at darn it today, Deborah. Yeah. Um, the fact that you could imagine that situation in so it was completely real to you that you had a physical response to it. That's exactly what they're talking about, the power of your mind. So what you're asking is how to turn it around and not, not go there with, with catastrophe. And so this morning I was thinking there's, 
I think there's, there's the way we're built. There's our experience in life. And, um, there was a third one, which will come back to me when I need it. But first of all, we are born into a world that is not safe. And you think about, I mean, we, we live in a relatively safe environment in the United States. I mean, it's an extremely privileged, you know, we can complain about a lot of stuff, but we live, you know, but for the majority of our history as human beings, um, we are alert to danger. It's a natural survival thing, right? So if I go outside, I'm going to look and see if cars are coming at me, or I'm going to whatever in my world would constitute danger. So there, um, there is a natural survival instinct that makes us tend toward looking for what could hurt us. Okay. So that's, that's, um, that's a basic thing that's just there. And then there's our experiences in life. And so people who have grown up in a relatively um, calm environment, who had supportive uh, family, whatever, might do better. Oh, and I, I just thought of the third thing, which is actually the second thing. So I'm going to go back. The second <laughs> thing is our personality. And, they, you know, the sociologists or whoever it is that does these studies and Whoever wants to, like, I'm going to go do my PhD on if people are born pessimists or, or, or optimists. And they have actually discovered that people are born with a personality that kind of goes one way or the other. And I just said in the last podcast that I did with Reverend James that a friend of mine once said that I was put here to annoy the pessimists. So, you know, you and I are, are like the, 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 light and dark here in terms of I tend, even before I got into this teaching that we look for the highest good. Um, I've always been, well, it's, you know, it's, there's got to be some good in it somewhere. That's just how I'm built. And I think you are essentially built, you know, the other way. My husband is also built the way you are and we balance each other out because if you're too positive all the time, you're going to go walking off cliffs and, you know, go and buying things you don't need to buy and whatever. And then walk you on the head. Right. And at the same time, I'm pulling you, you guys up out of the little mud hole going, <laughs> Hey, it ain't that bad. Right. And, and so, um, and, and of course we can talk about this in extremes, but it's also just, you know, I mean, some people just tend to have a lighter look on life and some don't. And then there's experience. And I know people who come out of really um, abusive environments as children. And I think there's a form of maybe a, a PTSD that sets in. And so, you know, there's there's this an alertness and this hypervigilance that, that n other people might not have. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a se severely abusive home. I mean... I come from a dysfunctional family and there are things that trigger me, not the way you get triggered, but there are certain things. It's like I start hearing certain conversations and I can feel inside me, oh, this is going away I don't like. And um, I don't necessarily think of it that uh, logically or rationally. And so you have had a lot of experiences with dogs being injured. I mean, you've had in that particular moment probably the accumulation of all of your experiences, your personality, and the fact that, you know, we're alert anyway, came into this, this thing. One of the reasons that Neville and all of the people who were, um, 
Oh, teaching, especially before, say, 1950, they were introducing a brand new way of thinking, a brand new way of approaching life. And so you listen, you read them and they go, you must do this. You have to change your mind. You have to do this. You have to feel it. You have to. They had all these musts and have tos. <laughs> yeah. And what they were doing is they were breaking new ground, really new ground. And, and so when they tell you, you have to do something and most people go, all right, if I'm not doing it this way, then it's not going to work. Um, That's so, how I'm built anyway. Right. I am put together more um, towards the calamity right. side of life. So, you know, what I wonder Here's my biggest beef about all these books, Deborah. I mean, you've gone a long way to uh, to ameliorate some of this for me, but there they. I feel like I'm always told all the things that need to occur. Here's the, what you need to do, without any real information about how to bridge the divide from bingo. You're right. Absolutely, you're right. Plus, they don't. So the, I'm thinking of. Uh, and I'll just be quick here and don't laugh too hard. Um, <laughs> I was listening to a book uh, on tape, a Neville Goddard book, and he and he was talking about this notion. It's, it's actually a little excerpt that I highly recommend. It's 19 minutes long. It's called How to Use Your Imagination to Create the Life You Want. So he tells a story in here about a young woman who wanted to take a trip to some far-flung, I don't remember, Bora Bora or Tahiti, some kind of exotic place like that. And this was back in the 30s, you know, and when people didn't travel like they do now at the drop of a hat. So it was a big deal and she didn't have the funds to do it. So she was working uh, at a fairly menial job. And I just love, I, this is a side note, the difference in how politically correct we are now and how politically incorrect we appeared then because he talks about how this poor woman was leading uh, a disenfranchised life and had a very poor job as a waitress. And I just wanted to go, oh, Neville, Neville, don't say that. But at any rate, she was not a person rolling in dough and she wanted to go somewhere where she needed a bunch of dough to go. And she was on the, her train late at night on her way home from work. And she pulled the window down a little bit. It was raining outside and a few little raindrops fell on her face. And so she did what I did with the dog, only she was smart. She felt the rain on her face and she said to herself, this is not rain. This is the spray of salt water from wherever this amazing place was she wanted to be. And she spun her own story out. I am not looking at the stars over Brooklyn, New York. I am looking through the pond. You know what I mean? You know where I could go on and well, on. Well, I know and these on. kinds of stories because almost any book that you read, especially again, like well, even up into the seventies, they all have those kinds of stories. Yeah, it's and... very anecdotal. But you know, she ended up. I have no objection to the stories, but she ended up going where she wanted to go through very unexpected circumstances. Um, and I feel, 
you know, in my own life, you know me well enough to go, I'm not going to get super personal here. I'll, I'll save that for as the months roll on. <laughs> but you know me well enough to know that the last 15 or 20 years have had some difficult moments built into them. And I have worked a lot with this teaching uh, and it, I can't say that it hasn't made some, some big differences because it has, there's no doubt about it. But I still feel like for me, I am missing just that little, and I feel like it's a tiny little flip um, of how to have it feel so natural and effortless to have these imaginings of a life that I want as opposed to things that I truly don't want to happen. Well, oh, 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 okay. First of all, um, there's this assumption that it, that it, that at some point it can become effortless. That is not how it works. <laughs> it's always work. I mean, I'm always having to work at it. Uh, when I'm going through a challenge, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I really want to, I really want to stomp down that path. And I want to talk about people and I want to, you know, whatever's bugging me, I want to make a story because we're always, you know, if you look at it as we're always making stories, okay, everything's a story, our life is a story. And it's what story do you want to tell? And the, the real teaching is that if I want to change something in my life, I am not going to change anything in the outer. The only thing I can change is within myself. And if I keep looking to change something outside me, nothing's going to happen as long as I'm walking around kicking rocks, you know, having whatever thoughts in my head. And uh, we're human and we're always going to have them. And so it's, it's how much, how much, how often can I catch myself doing it? How yes. often can I stop and, you know, take, take, the other, take the other path, even if it's for five minutes to go over into little happy land looking at the flowers and then going back into the kick and rocks? I mean, it's, you know, and eventually if you do it enough, you get enough practice to be able to correct yourself. I'm glad you brought that up, Deborah. Really glad because that was the next place that, that I wanted to go. Um, is it at, at the very least now I catch myself pretty quickly and I would imagine more often than not I, I catch myself doing that and I go oh no 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 nope nope well that that was a dry run we're gonna splice out that piece of the tape and and then I will just usually turn my thoughts to something that is effortless. I'll just call to mind one of my dogs and I'll think I, you know, I am so grateful. Okay. So what always cracks me up about you is that we'll have these conversations and you're doing exactly what you need to be doing, but you don't think you are. And you're not well, the only I, person. Yeah. And I don't because rarely, you know, I want, I have two very dramatic dreams. I won't go into them now. I'll talk to you later and we'll decide if that's appropriate. But I have two very specific dreams, but they're big. They're big dreams. And to my thinking mind, neither of them seem possible. So that's probably a little bit of a difficulty right at the outset is that I think about these two things and I think there's, there's just no way it can't. And there's a number of reasons. A big one that comes up now that I've never had to deal with before is I'm too old because I'm 63 now, you know, and I think, hey, man, 
you know, they don't start adding on years as you age. They, they, they get subtracted. Um, so I think, you know, it is too late to be, I should have, uh, I wish I'd known about this when I was 19. Um, you know, it, there's just any number of reasons that come up for why these two things that I really, really want are not going to happen. But I, I see, here's how I feel about this. I just, I hate to go here, but I'm just going to be honest. Here's how I feel about this teaching. I feel like this teaching has been given to me to drive me stark raving mad <laughs> because I will see just enough benefit to go, holy smokes, there is something to this. And if I can, if I just did bring into being a set of circumstances, however small and seemingly insignificant they might be with this thing, it logic dictates that I should be able to apply it to anything, but I can't. And so because I don't see these dramatic results, I tend to go, you know, all these other things could have happened as a net, you know what I mean? As a yeah, natural. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> and so, um, How you know, you one make of, something dramatic happen. Okay. So one of the, one of my, I mean, I, I love all of these books that, that people written, Catherine Ponder, I, I cut my metaphysical teeth on her and some other people, but they all, all of those books have these miraculous stories in them where something big major happened. And the truth is they're writing about them because they were big major deals. They're not writing about the little incremental victories that everybody has on a day-to-day -day basis. And those are the ones that are important. I mean, if we sat down and, and looked at, at our conversations and your life from the time we met to now, we, we, can, we can see massive change in your life. We can also see massive change in my life um, because, I mean, just the fact that you went through yoga teacher training, which was one of the hardest things I think you've ever done, and that completely changed your life. And so that's, that's actually a very dramatic story, but the getting there was an incremental, incredibly painful Oh my God, I can't do this every single day the whole time you are in yoga training. Because you will notice that there's nothing in those books that says this is going to be easy or fun. And what they yeah. do is they say, this person started here and oh, look where they, they ended up. They do not tell you that six, eight months, 12 years that went on in between. You know, there's a, there's a book called How to Make a Living Without a Job, and it's an old, old book. But I loved that book because she talks about you quit your job, you start, you know, here's the things that you do to create your own business. And then she talked about what she called the spaghetti days, the days when you're not, you know, you're not making a lot of money, you're trying to figure out if you can even make this thing fly. And it's like the difference between her story and it's like, oh, Mrs. Fields sat down and she made some cookies one day and then, you know, she sold her company for $80 million. <laughs> there was a little bit in between there, <laughs> right? Um, you know, she probably ran out of flour one day. She probably, I mean, so um, the, the, all of those books are good to give you the idea, but many of them, I think they're talking more in, 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 in the more modern books talk a little bit more about the process because it is a process. And, um, you know, the fact, the, the mere fact that you are catching yourself when you start to go this other direction is huge. Most people don't even get there. 
And so, you know, giving, not giving yourself enough credit for what you are doing, but also you had a father telling you that it ain't ever going to get any better. And so you were programmed with that. That is, that is so deep in your subconscious because it's one of the first things you ever heard and you heard it, you know, day after day after day, right? It was just part of your programming that life is, life is, life sucks and then you die. And so we, we all have those tapes in our heads. We all have that, that programming um, of limitation. And of course, we think in terms of limitation on this earth plane anyway. You know, so um, just because you don't think it can happen doesn't mean it can't. And just because you think that 63 is old, I mean, come on, I am a tad older than you. <laughs> you know, those nine years. Um, but remember, I went, I went back and got my, my bachelor's degree when I was 52. I got my master's when I was uh, 59 and a half. No, I was 60. Um there's this great story that Oprah told, uh, well, actually she, it was on a, one of her shows where there was this man who was a hundred years old and he would go down to this library every day. He started going down, maybe he was 99. Anyway, it turns out that at 99, he had decided to learn how to read so he could read the Bible before he died. That one, you know, I mean, the man who started McDonald's was in his 50s. You can go back and you can find all of these really successful stories of people who were older, older than 50 when they started doing what they were doing. But the guy who decided to learn to read at, at 99 or 100 was the one that sticks in my head. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we... we limit ourselves for a lot of reasons. First of all, we don't think that we can do it. We don't think we deserve it. And we're afraid to do it because what the hell will happen if we succeed? Right. What the hell does happen if we succeed? Yeah. Then we have to succeed bigger the next time. Or we do, or we at least have to maintain where we are. Exactly. Yeah. You can't ever Man Yeah, to me it almost makes it harder. It seems like if you you know, you get your dream, then you're like, oh crap. Now yeah. I got this damn dream and, and now I've got it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such an interesting teaching, so we, you know? It, yeah, and we're, we're just, we're human beings and we're all pretty confused. And, um, you know, so again, this, the, this tendency to, to look for the worst in things, you're protecting yourself on one level. And, and, and uh, again, you know, we all protect ourselves from something, whether it was um, just a, a mildly... Um, passive aggressive uh family i always joke is that my family was was um was um you know mildly dysfunctional i said we just did it with with, with being judgmental and being passive passive aggressive other people other families do it other ways um the level of which someone has walked through all that is also going to very much you know that's what your filter is going to be because ultimately, the most important thing that we all have in common is we need to feel safe. We need to feel physically safe. We need to feel emotionally safe. And we need to feel psychologically safe, which in there different. And we need to feel spiritually safe. And if we don't feel safe on any one of those levels, we're off balance. Yeah. 
And so there's, there's a lot of that. But part of what I hear you just saying is that all of this stuff that you read and even the talks that I give or Reverend James gives or someone else gives is it always makes it sound like it's so easy. If you just do this, everything will be fine. And that's not true. Life will get better. You will feel better inside yourself. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that crotchety neighbor is going to go away or that, you know, your cat's going to instantly get well or... Uh, and those things do happen. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before is I really, I call that the, um, uh, the, the road to Damascus syndrome, where, you know, he was hit by lightning, and he was thrown to the ground, and he had this huge, huge revelation. And those are great. But there's, there's two things actually wrong with first of all, you cannot make those happen. And the second thing is, is when those do happen, you, it's really easy to get caught up into wanting to live inside that one experience. And so you can actually get stuck in those. So the little incremental ones are painful and slow and probably better for us. <laughs> oh, I was afraid you might say something like that. <laughs> I was waiting to say something that you're going to go, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> I told um, you, you couldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> because... You know, by the time it comes around, we're ready for it. You know, I had I had thought that I wanted to be a minister for a long time, but I still managed to run away from it for years and years and years. And when it finally came around, when I finally got this, you know, went into the volunteer position that I went into, by the time I got there, I wasn't going, Yahoo, I'm here. It was like, oh, this is what makes sense now. Oh, okay. You know, and then another thing happened, and then and here I am doing a podcast. Um, yeah, you know, I I think you make the really beautiful and important point that it, it is at least for me all too easy uh, to discount not only the process but the small victories along the way. There, uh, Florence. Scoville Shin has just a series of lovely affirmations. And one of them is, um, I forget how she words it so that it is, is a positive statement. So I'm going to frame it in a less positive way because what she is saying is, uh, I never discount the small victories of every day. And, you know, I that makes sense to me. I don't necessarily feel like I discount the small victories. I probably I do sometime. Let's face it, I'm slightly less than perfect, but mostly oh no. I really mostly I recognize, oh, you know, I just had a situation where as as you said, when I I just recently moved from California back to South Carolina where I grew up and uh, it was during the the pandemic, and so it, it made what was already a really big and somewhat difficult situation even harder. Um, and there was someone, um, a friend, who took great umbrage at the way that I left, that I did not... Uh, you know, and I'm not discounting this person's feelings. If I want mine considered, then I have to consider someone else's. It's the it's the flaw in the whole plan, if you ask me. But, um, you know, this person felt that I did not give them a proper goodbye. And 
I, you know, maybe that's true. Um, the point is that I was very bothered by this because it was someone that I cared about and it caused them to pull away from me and they didn't want, they didn't want to continue the friendship. And that was distressing to me. Uh, Cause as you know, I am a serial pleaser. You know, I just, it was hard. And I stewed on it for months, Deborah, stomping around the neighborhood, thinking in my head why so-and-so, we'll call her Madam X, why she had no right. Did she not understand what I was going through and everything I was having to do all by myself in the middle of a pandemic and how blah, 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 how could she, how could she? And then I, I came across this really beautiful little exercise from Florence Scovel Shin, where it, it feels like a prayer to me, where you just basically form your own words. And mine turned out to be, I offer this situation because I'm Catholic. So this language comes easily to me. I offer this situation with Madam X uh, upon the altar of the Christ within, knowing that upon that altar lies everything I need to know and every resource I need. Upon that altar lies the perfect outcome for everyone. And I can now leave this burden behind and I am free to go about my day. Um, and I said that several mornings in a row. And there was a particular morning, probably about, it did not take long. It was about a week into the process. Again, I was out walking when most of my revelations and epiphanies occur. Uh, and I, I was saying that, I don't know if it's a mantra, I don't know what to call it. I was saying those words and they felt very real. They felt more real. There was Something that I won't be able to articulate, Deborah, but there was something in the prayer that I offered up, even though the words were the same, something in the tone was different. And two days later, after telling me, you know, two or three months ago that we're done and I, you know, I don't hate you, but I just, let's just be done. And, um, Two days later, this person reached out to me and said, you know, I've given a lot of thought to what we talked about and I'd like to reconnect. And it's a work in progress, but we are working our way up to a Zoom call in the next few weeks. So the only thing that I did was nothing. I mean, I said those words. Exactly. You know, what I wish I understood was what I experienced that morning, that last morning that I said that prayer. And it was just like thunder. It was like, uh, I never have to say these words again. This burden has truly been offered and given. Um, I tend to walk around all the time just frantically repeating whatever it is I want, you know, Um there was something within that, that being able to let go. And that okay. was a gift. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. you know, so that situation is healing. And the only thing I did was that prayer. So I know this can work, 
So, you know, why am I not selling my Pulitzer Prize winning novel? And Well, first of all, you have to put it out there to a publisher, but that's oh, another yeah, conversation. Oh, yeah, I, I, I knew you were going to go there. Yeah, okay. you have to actually take some action. But, okay, you've kind of answered you. <laughs> this is interesting. I love how these podcasts go. You've kind of answered your own question because um, you're talking about they say you have to feel it. If you stop thinking about it in terms of feeling it, that it has to become real to you. And what you were doing when you were walking is you were saying this, you weren't forcing it. You weren't trying to make something happen. You weren't trying to force it out there. You wanted, and you really wanted to let this go. I mean, you really, you needed to let it go because you didn't like the way you were feeling and you were tired of listening to yourself, talk to yourself about it and spin that story. And so and the other really important part was you were using words that really meant something to you. So you can do affirmations all day long, but if those words, words are everything. So if those words don't resonate with you, you can, you can affirm yourself into oblivion and nothing's going to happen, but you found something that worked. And I want a copy of that because that is beautiful. Um, you have to tell me where to find it. It is a, a beautiful way of, of giving it up. And you were, so what you were doing instead of trying to fix it yourself is you were giving it up. You were giving it up and allowing it. And, um, you know, we live in a world where we're always trying to force things to happen and we're trying to force the outside world to change. And so, so that was why that was so successful. And that is, that is a story that somebody would put in one of those books. But look how well, long. It, yeah. And so it is a, how, it's a big thing, isn't yeah. it, to feel a friendship that appeared to be lost. Okay. It is a big thing. And then, you know, so, um, uh, but what you did, your the way you worked on it, and it took you, what, two or three months to get to the point where you had to do something about it. And then when you started doing something very intentionally from your heart, it took a week. And that is, that is a perfect example of how it works. You know, I guess but, I just, you know, I wonder what the difference is between that situation and maybe one of these situations that I don't like to put it like this, Deborah, because I'm talking about a human who's a friend of mine, but, right. you know, some of these other things feel, I'm sorry to say, very much more important. Um, they're not, but that's how it feels. And I often wonder if it's not that, I guess this is a rehash of what we just spoke about. If it's not that sort of desperate holding on and chewing that mouthful of food to death that gets in the way that, you know, maybe it does, it does get in the way. I definitely, what I know, what I know I felt was when I said that last prayer, it, it was just done. And I didn't think about it anymore. Now, the, the, the bad part about that is there was nothing I did to make it happen. So I can't control it and manipulate it and forever and ever and ever until the day I die, replicate that situation. I don't believe through my own will. That's enormously frustrating to me. Well, okay, and so that so that's your frustration is that you can't force things to happen through your own will. These things that you want to happen in your life, these things that you want to do that you're not too old to do, by the way, they are they that is your soul telling you what it wants to do. 
Your soul is speaking to you. And instead of, instead of taking responsibility for making it happen, which I, I, I'm pretending that this is, I know you do this. I'm kidding. You know, instead of trying to take responsibility for making it happen, work on letting it start asking, use that kind of prayer that you just did, but ask to be shown how to do it. Show me the way. Ask for guidance. Keep saying, you know, rewrite that prayer so it's like, I now know the next thing to do and I now know the next thing to do because it's not going to happen overnight, probably. (laughs) It could. But most of these yeah. things have to uh, have to have to work themselves out, partly because we have to get ourselves ready or we have to learn more or we have to, you know, I'm in the process of working on a project that um, my spirit guides have basically told me we're doing a book and I'm telling them I'm not good at long term projects and no one's <laughs> no one's letting me off the hook. And um, so, you know, I'm thinking this is never going to happen and yet every night I'm sitting and writing just a little bit. And so um, I finally just start saying, okay, you want this to happen and I am willing to work through this, but I don't know how to do it. And I think maybe the best thing that, you know, that one of the easiest things to say is I don't know how to do this. Show me, show me what the, I, what's the next thing. And, um, and then the other part of, of this is that in the situation with your friend, you were each telling yourselves, you're each, each, each of you had a story around it. The other person had a story of being hurt because you didn't say goodbye properly, blah, blah, blah. You had a story of, of, of how dare you, you know. Um, and then my story is, I know you well enough that I was not the least bit surprised that you just took off and didn't, didn't see me the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, but... I know you really well, and I and I also was really aware of what a hard time you're having, and so you know I could put my story into this, and then we could end up in a gossip session and 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 trash everybody, and that is the tendency that people have to do instead of saying, okay, I'm in my story, this person's in their story. Yeah, yeah. and you know that was a that was a little bit of a difference for me because. Um, one of the more disquieting discoveries I've made about myself as, as I uh, have waded through the sands of time um, is that I'm, I'm extremely judgmental. I, I have a, a real streak. You know, it's not the whole of me, but I can be really critical. Uh, I, I do that to myself um, and, I, and I hold other people's feet to the same hot fire uh, that I hold my own. Um, but I, I, there just was no need. I didn't do that this time and probably, so I'll flip it around and let's say this person was you. Um, I cared enough about this person that I just, I wasn't going to go scratching around in this sludge pond because I knew, I knew her, I know her and I know that she's a good person. And I know that, um, it's what you just said. She's just speaking out of the hurt of her own heart. And with all these eight months or so, uh, I can look back and, and understand it very mm-hmm. clearly now. But there just was not much uh, in place in uh, of what is usually residing inside of me, which is a real need to affix blame, preferably on someone external to me. 
um, and to be fairly judgmental. I mean, I just really what I felt was uh, if, you know, I really searched my soul and I still don't truly believe I handled anything wrongly. I handled things the way that I could, given what I was up against, which logistically was a lot, spiritually, emotionally was a lot. And then when the pandemic came, then we all just started going through a lot. Um, but I, I never felt a need to go there and I, I with this person and cast any of those nasty feelings. And I just wonder if that made any difference. Made it, yes, yes. It would have made a huge difference because you weren't invested in, you weren't invested in keeping the negative part of it going on. You were, you, and, and, and you took you a while to get invested in, in, in shifting it because a lot of healing had to happen within you and probably the other person. But yes, the, the fact that you, you didn't have any, any need to keep it going. And I think we also have to look at, um, God, another podcast because we're going to run out of time and this is so much, um, but the fact that, in fact, we should just do one on, on addiction to drama because, oh. you know, people who, the, this whole thing of, of drama is exciting. It, you know, it makes us feel alive and it's, it can it be does. extremely negative. And so we'll come back to that in a different podcast. So let's go back to this. The, this essential question is, is that um, why, why it's so easy to fall into the negative, um, partly because we are going to protect ourselves partly because of our personalities partly because of um what was the third thing um oh what is our experience in life and then there is a fourth thing is that we live in a sea of negative energy all of the stuff that comes out of social media all of the news everything that's happening we are bombarded from all sides with ain't it awful especially right now in the covid times and so when you start to beat yourself up for having those negative feelings, well, just stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, let me write this down. Let me get out my papyrus and my, my fancy pen and write this down. Just don't do it. Right. Exactly. And, and the thing is, is that the best, the, the, the best thing that you've said, maybe you said a lot of good things, but is that you catch yourself now, you know, it's if you were, were, were falling down, lying on the floor, wallowing for hours and days and weeks and months. But the fact that you start down that path and you catch yourself, that's a huge, that's huge. And for anybody out there walking this same path, you know, five minutes of, oh, goodness, I'm looking at things very negatively and I'm going to change that. You don't have to do it 24 hours a day. You know, I mean, and um, I, I don't know very many people and I know a lot, a lot of people who are, you know, very, very spiritually evolved, but um, we all were human beings and it's okay to be human and it's okay to have all these feelings and emotions what we're trying to do by this teaching and by the books that we read and all of this is to find a way to improve our quality of life. You know, it's, it's like my Thursday morning group, we've talked about spirituality and we talk about religions that say you have to do this and you have to do that and you can't do this. And in, you know, the, the, the teaching of unity and new thought in general is we don't say you have to do anything. 
And um, it's like, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to worry about, about all these other things. And I asked my group and I said, the, do you agree with me that the reason you are here in this room is not because you have to, but because you care about your quality of life? And every one of them says yes, because you know I've had people with me for four years and they're still struggling with being negative every single day. And that hour a week that they spend in our conversation is what helps them you know, make that shift and become more aware of what they're doing. So it's I don't know, is that very, kind of a good synopsis of what we yeah, just tromped yeah. through? It, maybe uh, in, in a podcast, we can uh, have a discussion sometime about um, the challenges of, um, I'm not even sure how to say it, Deborah. There seems to be a will other than our own. Now, why do we call that? You know, okay. I don't want to step on all the numerous toes that are out there watching. <laughs> I call it God. People call it all sorts of things. Okay. Um, there, there is a little bit of work that it takes to surrender to that. There and is, and that is a completely you know? different podcast. So we're gonna, yeah. we're yeah. gonna, we're gonna find a way to sign off here. And uh, <laughs> so tell um, me, as, as we sign off. What would be, other than catching myself, or do you even have, I don't mean to put you on the virtual spot, um, other than doing what I'm already doing, which is going, oh, no, no, I don't want that, and thinking, bringing to mind the thought that feels better. Right. Is there anything other than that? Is that enough to chew on right now? Forgive yourself every time. Forgive yourself. You know, I've stopped forgiving other people a long time ago. And what I do now is I forgive myself for attracting a situation because of my consciousness. I forgive myself for, you know, doing whatever I've done. Um, and when I forgive myself, then whatever story I've been spinning about the other situation, person, blah, 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 dissolves. And so I would say continue because every time you catch yourself, um, you become a little bit more aware of what your dynamic is. And you will, if you start paying attention, you'll notice that you catch yourself sooner and sooner. And it might be a nanosecond sooner. <laughs> that, that's okay, though, because I think in the spiritual realm, nanoseconds are very long. <laughs> They're very long. Yeah. 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 So, you know, love yourself through, through being human. Uh, I, I'm really coming to the conclusion that we're very uncomfortable being human beings. And that's where we really need to do is become comfortable being human and allow yourself. I mean, you know, you've got 63 years of experience on this planet. And so all of that is a filter through which you see the world. And so you're trying to clear your filter a little bit. So you might, might imagine, you know, taking the filter out and running it through clear water <laughs> or, you know, play with that kind of imagery. But you know, you're not, you're, 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 um, you're making progress. And all of you out there listening to this, if you've had any kind of experience with what we're talking about, start to look at the little things, the little things that happen today that actually might seem a little bit miraculous. You know, somebody called me yesterday and she said, I haven't talked to you for a while. I'm, I've, I'm at the vet with a rescue cat and I just realized we have something in common. And I haven't talked to her for a long time. And I called her and she said, you know, and I've got this cat. And, and I said, what's her name? And she said, Zelda. And then she started talking about my cat, Zelda. And I said, my cat's Lizzie. And she went, oh. I said, however, my nickname in high school was Zelda. Oh, how interesting. So 
you know, there was that still, she, she said, we have a connection. She wasn't in the right place and she didn't even know that what the other connection was. And it's those fun little things. If we notice them. So to let them sort of get by you. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, for, you know, if, if you're a journaler journaling person, or if you just write one sentence down a day of something that good that happened, something that changed, you know, um, that kind of thing. I mean, there's all different ways to work with things and keep in mind, please, that when you read these books, they're wonderful books. They, they help a lot of people and they, they suggest a method or they suggest 15 things to do. If there's 15 things to do, choose one. <laughs> I can't try for all 15 at once, Deborah. Well, they, they ain't going to work if you do that. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and, but most people will come to me and they say, I'm trying to do what she says in the book or he says in the book and it's not working. And I said, well, what do you, well, all of them. It's like, no, choose one. Because if you choose one, um, that's all you can work with at, at a time, you know? So, um, it comes down to just practicing and not being hard on yourself and not trying to force things to happen. And that's the part that is hardest for most of us. And yeah. remember, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not, it's not going to be easy. Like, like a lot of those stories in the books, they leave out the middle part where the person's kicking rocks or they're right. waiting. Going, Why isn't anything happening? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because something is always happening. We just don't always see it. And then one day it pops up and we go, oh, a miracle, where it's actually been like a plant that's been growing up through the dirt for weeks and weeks and months and or t- trees, you know, like a redwood tree that takes forever. So, well, Carol, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, and we're just going to have to, we're going to have to have some more of these conversations. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Discover Spirit Within is produced by Spiritual Life Center Sacramento. If you feel inspired and want to show your appreciation and support, please go to slcworld.org forward slash donate. And until we meet again, deep peace of the running wave to you, deep peace of the flowing air to you, deep peace of the quiet earth to you, deep peace of the shining stars to you, Deep peace of the sons and daughters of peace to you, and may the joys of the world go with you.